Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on the basis of Luke 22, verses 7 to 20 on Maundy Thursday, 2022. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink it again, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Four days prior to this, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and was greeted as a king. We just celebrated that a few days ago. Do you remember, though, how Jesus acquired that donkey? Uh, he, He sent two of his disciples ahead of them into a village, and he told them exactly what they were going to find. They were going to find this donkey tied up there. And there was something specific about this donkey. It had never been ridden before. And once they found that donkey, they were to take it and bring it back to Jesus. And and if anyone were to stop them and ask them why they were taking this donkey, they were just supposed to say, the Lord needs it. And so these two disciples, they, they went. They went to the village ahead, and they found everything just as Jesus said, down to the very last detail. While Jesus was given this grand entrance on this donkey, his week would certainly not trend in this direction. It would certainly not trend in a positive direction. Jesus would drive out the money changers from the the temple, and he would spend a lot of his time teaching crowds and crowds of of people in what many would characterize as as probably his most direct teaching and preaching that he has ever done. For example, when the Jewish leaders listened to him, they knew he was speaking about them. And so for those who despised his teaching, for those who sought to bring Jesus down, they sought to do that even more fervently. But by Thursday, Jesus' public preaching and his public teaching, that that had all come to an end. And now Jesus had set his sights on celebrating the Passover with his disciples. 
That's why everybody was in Jerusalem in the first place. There were crowds and crowds of people there more than normal because at the time of the Passover, during the 14th of Nisan, that's the day the Passover took place in the, in the Jewish calendar, the city of Jerusalem swelled to about three times its typical size. And so everybody was there to celebrate. A lot of the rooms uh, were, were taken up. And on that Thursday, that 14th day of, of Nisan, that Passover lamb was slaughtered at, at, day, at twilight, um, and then it was prepared, and then it was eaten uh, that, that evening in remembrance of when God brought the, the Israelites out of Egypt. This was a sacred day in, in, the, in the history of the Israelites for these Jewish people, especially here in Jerusalem. But before Jesus was going to be able to actually celebrate this Passover with his disciples, some preparations had to be made, one of which was finding a room for them to actually celebrate this Passover in. As we said, Jerusalem was pretty full at this point. But much like on Palm Sunday, Jesus takes two of his disciples. This time he gives us names. It's Peter and John. And he tells Peter and John exactly what they're going to find. They're going to find this man who's carrying a jar of water. This, this man is going to, to meet them. Uh, he is supposed to follow, they were supposed to follow this man back to where he is going and, and talk to the owner of the out house, and they're going to, he's going to say, the teacher needs a room. And then they're going to show him to this, this large room, and that's where Jesus and his disciples are going to celebrate the Passover. And, and so Peter and John, they go, and they find everything just as Jesus said, down to the very last detail. And so now they have a place to celebrate the Passover. But this Passover that Jesus is going to celebrate with his disciples is going to be different than one, ones that the disciples have experienced in the past. On this particular Passover, Jesus was going to institute his supper, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, as we still celebrate it today today. And Luke records these words. I just want to read them one more time here. Luke says, He took bread, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So just to draw out a few phrases here. As he's holding the bread, he says, this is my body. And as he's holding the cup that, that has the wine in it, he says, this cup is my blood. And immediately we, we think, how could that possibly be? How could this be Jesus' body and blood? Now, now certainly they didn't know what body and blood tasted like, but it, it probably didn't taste like wine, and it probably didn't taste like bread. And not to mention, Jesus is sitting in the very room with Jesus or with the, with the disciples. How could this be Jesus' body and blood if he is sitting right there and the disciples themselves can see, see him? How is it possible that this is Jesus' body and blood? And so the doubts and the temptations set in, even for us today, right? The, the temptation to try to say more than what Scripture says. The temptation to try to explain what Scripture doesn't explain. The temptation to take the word of God and mash that with my, my fallen and, and flawed reason and logic. The, the temptation to, to somehow think that I could reach into to heaven and grasp the deepest mysteries of God. You know, what, what would kind of be the equivalent would be on that Palm Sunday, 
when Jesus gave the instructions to the disciples, after Jesus gave those instructions to the disciples, the equivalent would be the disciples turning to him and saying, this couldn't possibly happen as you say it's going to happen. There's no way that we're going to go into this city and find this donkey tied up there. And even if we do, even if we happen to find that donkey, why is the owner going to let us walk away with that donkey? You know what the equivalent would be? The, the equivalent would be after Jesus gives his instructions to, to Peter and John uh, about where they're going to, to find this room, the, the equivalent would be them turning to Jesus and saying, this is ridiculous. This is impossible. How are we going to find a room to celebrate this Passover when, when Jerusalem is just packed with people? And it's already Thursday. The, the, Sab, or the, the Passover festival has already begun. There's no way we're going to find a room, let alone run into a random guy on the street that's going to lead us to a place where we can, where we can celebrate the Passover. You know, the, the sinful nature thinks itself to be pretty wise, doesn't it? Uh, wiser than others, certainly. And the sinful nature even thinks itself to be wiser than, than God him, himself. That if, if we can't make sense of something, if we can't understand something, if something is outside of our typical experience, we think ourselves to be so wise that it, it couldn't possibly be true. If we can't understand it, then it can't be true because... We should be able to understand everything. So if it's outside of our experience, if it's outside of our understanding, then it must not be true. And certainly there, we see the height of our own arrogance. Yet with humility, we ought to consider this. When Jesus sent those two disciples into that village on Palm Sunday, they found everything, just as Jesus said, down to the very last detail. When Jesus sent Peter and John to find this room to, to celebrate the Passover in, saying that they would find this man carrying a, a jar and he would lead them back and, and they would have a room available for them, they found everything just as Jesus says. The, the truth we learn is this. When Jesus says something, when he says something's going to happen, it happens exactly like that. And you know, that really ought not surprise us at all because Jesus, of course, is the, the Son of God and God always keeps his promises. God always fulfills his prophecies. When God says something, that's how it happens. All of his Old Testament prophecies, they're fulfilled. In fact, Jesus himself fulfilled over 300 prophecies that were made about him in the Old Testament. 300 prophecies by his life and by his death, Jesus fulfilled those. When, when God says something, it happens. But perhaps even more than that, it's not just that, that God is all-knowing and he knows what's going to happen, but God is also all-powerful, right? With, with his very words, he spoke the universe into being. So when, when God says something is going to happen, not only does it, it happen because he knows it's going to, but, but he can speak it into its very being. So, when Jesus says that this bread is his body and this wine is his blood, it certainly is. No more explanation needed. It is bread and it is body, it is wine and it is blood. It is Jesus himself coming and being present with us in a, in a way that we can't possibly fully comprehend. 
It is Jesus communing with us. This is a moment with the divine here, and it gives it great power. We need not say more than what Scripture says. And really the question is, why would we ever want to? Because Scripture not only tells us that this is bread and wine, body and blood, but Scripture also tells us that this is for the forgiveness of sins. That when you take this, when you eat his, his body, when you eat his that you are actually receiving the forgiveness of sins, you have that promise. And when God says that he is giving you that, when Jesus says you are getting the forgiveness of sins, it is exactly as he said. You receive the forgiveness of sins through this, this sacrament. This sacrament, it's pure gospel. It's pure grace. It's God working for you. It's Jesus for you personally and altogether as well. It's arrow pointing down grace. When you're coming up to the Lord's table, you're not doing something for God. He's doing everything for you, just as he has promised, and he's giving you everything he's promised to give. And it's exactly what we need. We need the forgiveness of sins that it provides. We need the, strength of our faith, the strengthening of our faith that this sacrament provides, and he certainly gives us everything that we need in this the sacrament. So, so tonight, as you come to the Lord's table, uh, come with humility. Humility that, that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. Come after examining your, yourself, not, not according to your own standards, but, but examine yourself according to, to God's standards. Uh, understand that, that you are a, a sinner in need of that forgiveness and come with a repentant heart to receive what he has promised to give you in this sacrament. As you come to the Lord's table tonight, come with, with humility. That we're going to carry out the Lord's Supper exactly as he wants us to carry it out. Because it's not our sacrament. It's God's sacrament that he has given to us as a gracious gift to assure us that we are forgiven, to, to give us that very forgiveness and to strengthen our faith. And so we're going to seek to come to his table in a, in a worthy manner. Uh, meaning that, that we have examined ourselves. We, we have we have come with a repentant heart, acknowledging that we are a sinner in need of, of forgiveness, that we are going to recognize the body and blood that we are taking in this, uh, in this meal. And we're also going to recognize that while there is a vertical communion here, there is also a horizontal communion. That, that as you come up to the Lord's table, you are communing with the body and blood of Christ, but you're also communing with brothers and sisters in Christ. That, that's, that ought to be a great encouragement to you. But it also is, is a symbol of unity, unity that, that we don't take for granted. You are saying that, that the person to your right and the person to your left believe the same exact thing that you believe. They make the same confession, not just about what we teach in the Lord's Supper, but about what we teach about the entire Bible, what, what the Bible has, has taught us. But most of all, as you come to the Lord's table tonight, come with a fresh confidence that you are receiving exactly what God says you are receiving. You're receiving the bread and the wine, the body and the blood, for forgiveness of sins and life. Amen.